Welcome to the second season officially of the High Post, our off-season, or not off-season, new season predictions and <laughs> awards predictions for the 2020-2021 funky-ass season that we are about to enter. I guess like that's a fair way to start it off. You think, do you think we're playing 72 games across all 30 teams? <laughs> um, I think after earlier tonight when Kyrie sprayed his stage all over TD Garden, he blessed this NBA season with good vibes cleanse the atmosphere sort of and we're going to be all straight I don't I don't feel confident that every team is going to play all their games I think there's going to be an outbreak in at least one team probably multiple outbreaks throughout the season and teams are going to have to postpone and cancel games yeah I hope you're wrong but I think you're probably right and I, I do think there might be something to that Kyrie take though and I would like to see him take eight post-ups a game over 72 games I think that would be <laughs> pretty great to see but uh yeah the stats that he posted up like four times all last season <laughs> but like eight a game eight a game four and a half. Oh my god i mean he was finishing well in the lane and i think he's the kind of guy that maybe should be taking more shots at the rim but maybe not squaring up against uh six ten dudes in the post he's got a good fadeaway game post up is a different yeah. story <laughs> different type of fadeaway game well not only is it going to be the weirdest nba season in terms of covid and whatever craziness is going to come with half empty stadiums or sometimes hopefully not uh more full than that stadiums but also with these new playoff rules which i think are coming at me quicker than i realize and i don't think i really completely understand the implications of this but having 10 teams at the end of the season that are going to have a shot at making the playoffs and 20 uh if you count both conferences is kind of bizarre to me and only five teams in each conference are going to be out of it and come the last regular season game and i don't know what do you think what do you make of that like do you think come the trade deadline on march 25th or whenever they decided to officially make that there's going to be maybe less teams trying to blow it up and yeah i think it's it's been brought up by multiple people recently on different stuff that I've read, but it's like the, there's an incoming really good draft class yeah. and you would assume that that would incentivize a lot of teams to tank. And it has not really done that. And like almost every team in the West, except for OKC. And then <laughs> most of the teams in the East, honestly, have uh, all, are all aiming to win. I don't know if that's a, uh, you know, the better your team is, the more revenue you get. Maybe getting that uh, play-in game will help get teams some extra revenue, some extra money in a season where they don't have any fans in the arenas. But I'm excited. I definitely – it's going to be interesting to see who opens up around the trade deadline. Like yeah. Someone like Kyle Lowry might be like, mm. the best player available. That could be really fun and actually sort of on, like, the Marcus All a few years ago move, like be a trade deadline move that actually – uh, changes the needle on the championship uh but yeah why not i think there i think i definitely think that there's gonna be moves yeah i mean speaking of the eastern conference i'm not sure that world be free's plans for the knicks include any sort of playoff aspirations i, I would hope That's not fair. uh but yeah, i think you're right all 14 other teams in the east are probably competing and frankly like i think oklahoma city is not like completely out of it like they're not a bad team and they've got players and if sga takes a leap there's absolutely no way it would shock me if they were kind of competing for that 10 spot but yeah i think you're probably right i think they're probably in the uh cade cunningham jalen green uh lottery running so 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's fascinating, and I, I didn't mean to take too much of a dig on your Wizards because, as you'll see, I, I'm pretty high on them, and I think they're going to be pretty competitive this year. I, I love the Russell Westbrook signing, and frankly, if you're taking dudes to go into a play-in game in the 7 through 10, there aren't a lot of teams in that range I would like running into that more than the Washington Wizards who just have a bunch of dudes who can go out there and ball and get you a bucket if you need it. And we've seen Russell Westbrook do so well, even in failing efforts against the Utah Jazz and against the Houston Rockets and put up massive amounts of points on reasonably efficient efforts in do or die games. And I think having Bradley Beal, who's a guy who also elevates his game during the playoffs, uh, could be kind of a tantalizing effort. And I'm excited to see what a probable, in my opinion, play in game looks like for the Washington Wizards. Uh, yeah, they might have aspirations a little higher, but yeah. playing game seems about right. And it's uh, it's sort of funny to look at the Wizards as, as a team as flawed as they are as the play-in game participant in the East, whereas you look at the West and there's teams who are going into the season with hopes of winning one, maybe two series, maybe even getting to the finals. And they're also just as likely to be on the outside looking in after a play-in game. Yeah. So, yeah, it really uh, it really influences everything for the season. I'm excited to see how teams maybe plan. Uh, I know, like, the most – when I first heard about the playing game, the most interesting, you know, scenario that this could affect is something like what happened – like, maybe something like what happened last year with Golden State. If they think that they're getting Steph and Clay back in the middle of the season – uh, do they go from like 13, try and trade for someone, go all in and make it to 10? Because once you get Steph and Clay in a play-in game, you know, anything can happen. So maybe if some teams have injuries or something, it'll be interesting to see yeah. if that play-in game keeps them from taking yeah. from tanking or if they keep on going. Yeah, that's so true. And I think the lottery odds are having a little bit of an impact on that too. Like tanking is not what it used to be. And tanking, if you're someone like the New York Knicks, uh, can prove to be quite fatal if you're ending up in that four to seven spot consistently every year. But yeah, why, why don't we jump into it? Do you want to give me your four predicted seven through 10 spots in the Eastern Conference for who you think is going to be in those play-in games? So for the Eastern Conference, my seven through 10 spots, has the Indiana Pacers, Washington Wizards, Atlanta Hawks, and then the Chicago Bulls. But I might be a little too high on them. I just yeah. think that they, uh, they've they got... That's, that's 7, 8, 9, 10 in that order? 7, 8, 9, 10, yeah. Well, this is going to be boring as shit. That's exactly the same order that I have for my 7 through 10. <laughs> that's um. really funny. I... And I, I'm not super set on that. I think obviously it's pretty fluid. Uh, the Pacers are a team that is the, are going to remain similar, at least players roster wise, to what they were last year. They're undergoing sort of a culture change, a coaching change, trying to be Raptors, you know, the Indiana Raptors, and taking this coach from the uh, the Raptors assistant staff. Right. The, and then, but the other three teams there are all teams that are going, planning to look massively different from next season. Obviously, Washington got Russ, Atlanta got all their guys during <laughs> the offseason. And then the Bulls are hoping internal development of Laurie, 
uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Kobe White, and then the drafting of Patrick Williams will be enough to sort of push them ahead on what was a weird season last year in which none of their players you could officially say looked terrible, looked like a bust, but at the same time they didn't win games and weren't, you know, where some spot they might be with a combination of veterans and young guys. So I don't know what 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 stands out as most interesting to you amongst these four teams. I think what's most interesting to me is these are sort of turning points for all of these teams. When you look at somebody like the Wizards or somebody, I don't know, like the Wizards, you think about Scotty Brooks in his last year of his contract. If they're not playing well, it could be curtains for him by the end of the year. And you look at these other three teams, Atlanta, probably a little bit set in their ways. I don't know if Lloyd Pierce 100% makes it through this entire season, but Chicago and probably Indiana. Probably not. Unless yeah. they do, unless they do do well, and right, I, I do think that the uh, the lease is short right now for Lloyd Pierce. I think you're probably right, but I, I mean, there's that kind of organizational, maybe not instability, but pressure being put on them, and there's pressure on Indiana and Chicago, where if they're not succeeding and it doesn't look like they're going to be playoff teams, guys are going to be on the trading block, and there's going to be a lot of interest for guys like Miles Turner and guys like Zach Levine who are maybe not perfect players, but guys that can move the needle a little bit. Like Zach Levine is an amazing scorer. Miles Turner is a great rim protector who can hit threes. And it's the kind of thing that teams who are not championship contenders, but maybe a move away might be looking for. And maybe it's delusional, but I think that those guys, a lot of pressure on them and a lot of pressure on all these teams to succeed. And frankly, I think these teams kind of are in a tier of their own and you consider the teams below them, but you think about the fact that you've got teams like Cleveland, who I think is going to be a lot better this year. You've got teams like Detroit, who I don't really know how it's going to fit, but they've got ballers on that team. And I think Jerry and Grant's going to be good. And Blake Griffin probably is one of the better players if you consider these four teams plus Detroit. And it's going to be a lot of competition. So I don't feel great about this, but I do feel like these are the most solid teams with a little bit of a fire under their ass to have to do something this year. Yeah. I mean, you brought up a really good point when you mentioned that two of these teams, you know, the Bulls and the Pacers are coming into the season with brand new head coaches. The other two are coaches <laughs> that are on the hot seats. Um, so definitely a lot of pressure on these teams this season. The, the thing that jumps out to me probably is that the Wizards have the two, what you would imagine is the best duo of all any of these four teams and maybe the two best players. Um, the It'll be interesting to see, you know, if the head guys of any of these other teams, like a Sabonis, Trey Young, take a step up where right. they definitively – you know, can Trey Young make himself clearly better than Bradley Beal this season or Russell Westbrook, or is Trey Young's peak going to be around the same level as that? Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about Trey Young this season. Yeah. Based on what the, they're built to win now, you know. Yeah, I think that's true. I do think he's built for it, but at the same time, I don't think there's that much room at this point in his career to grow defensively, and he's already one of the better offensive players in the league, so expecting him to fill these massive shoes of 
Atlanta, like you said, they're expected to win now. And I'm not sure they've got any aspirations of being a team that wins a series in the first round. So I don't really know where that leaves them, even though I do think I am pretty high on them. I think they've built kind of perfectly around Trey Young. Like they've got dudes who can just knock down catch and shoot threes. And people talk a lot about Trey Young moving more off ball this season. And that's not something I really would be super excited about. I hope that they try to keep him on ball as much as possible. Like let Rajon Rondo sit on the bench (laughs) for however many minutes during the regular season you can bring him out during the playoffs if you want but just give the ball to Trey Young let him set up opportunities for guys like Gallinari and guys like Bojan or Bogdan rather who are amongst the best catch and shoot shooters in the league and I think Trey Young is going to drive a lot of opportunity for them and just put the ball in his hands I, I think he was so adept last year at creating offense that if anything worry about trying to get him up to a defensive level that he wasn't at already yeah. but I am not sure I agree with this sort of play him off ball more than he already was but I don't know I think they're built well around Trey Young and I think it could be something good same with that uh, I think the Bulls but I think that's fair I think that was the point that I was trying to make earlier is they're now built well around Trey Young built to suit his interests they have big wings to guard you know some of the tougher defensive assignments they have shooters to play off of his you know high uh, spaced out pick and rolls uh but now since they're built well around him, it's time to figure out if Trey Young is the level of player that you can build around right. or do does Atlanta need to be in the mix trying to get an actual number one piece that maybe Trey can use as the facilitator to set up uh, right. and, and play on ball there, or at least maybe a 1B because building solely around maybe Trey and John Collins might leave you a little short in the long run if you have bigger aspirations. You're smiling when I bring that up is uh, what's uh, what's prompting that over there. I mean, come on. I, I think uh, it's hard not to think <laughs> about another player being added to any team right now without your mind going immediately to James Harden. And it sure. kind of would be a nice fit, right? <laughs> it would be very cozy. Um, you know, obviously like as someone who loves just the natural pairings of, passing point guards and big men especially finishing big men I prefer both of them especially James Harden who's played yeah. with these guards for so long to just get a big man that can finish and play off of him and takes uh, some gravity towards the basket uh, for James Harden to operate in his lanes right. uh, yeah, how much hand, more of would... Clint Capella do you need to see with James Harden <laughs> I don't know <laughs> exactly that's, that's actually another point. <laughs> but on the other hand, I do sort of agree that it would be um, a cozy fit, a really good offensive team, absolutely like an improvement on whatever Atlanta has going on right now. Although still unclear what the ceiling of a Trey Young, James Harden team is. Yeah, I mean, Trey Young is not uh, a tenth of the player defensively that Chris Paul is, but he is kind of a similar player offensively, I think. And I don't know how cohesive with their young guys development. I mean, I guess a lot of them would be in Houston at this point, but I don't know how cohesive to team building it is to just have a lot of ISO ball between Trey Young and James Harden, like it was in 2017 in Houston. But I don't know, before we, before we move on, Indiana, I think is interesting because they were the four seed last year and like predicting this kind of drop, I think is bold, whether or not it's deserved, but I don't know. Talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I, I landed in the same boat. Is it just because there are six teams that are more talented than them? Um, 
a little bit. I think there are six teams that are more talented than them. And just like oh, six teams that I trust more, they're coaching. Yeah. I've seen before they're, they're cohesive. They're all very, very smart teams in the East, just like between the Celtics and the Raptors and the Heat. Um, I really, really like Sabonis. And I think that the Brogdon Sabonis pick and roll is, is a very, very good foundation for an NBA offense. And I think that that would be the argue like that foundation right there mixed with just like good surrounding role players and a smart defense uh, anchored by Miles Turner might be the argument for them to be in that tier above in the East when a lot of people say seven playoff locks instead of six. Um, but the reason I can't get there with them is because they rely so heavily, or at least the best version of them relies very heavily on Oladipo as a primary playmaker and scorer and creator. And I just don't know. I haven't seen it from him for a couple of years. He's done it only one season at an elite level. Uh, so it's hard to tell if that was a fluky season, if the injuries derailed what he was developing. But until I see it from Oladipo at this point, I still worry a little bit too much about their offense and, you know, some some tough injuries, some yeah. weird spots throughout the season. I can see him falling behind. And he has struggling. looked bad in the preseason so far. I don't want to put too much stock in it, but if that's what his jump shot's going to look like for the rest of the year, uh, it's not a team I really want to be riding with. But, yeah, I think I agree with that. Do you want to roll through your six through one? Yeah, so six through one. I kind of have them split up in different tiers. So I was going to put uh, – I have the Boston Celtics at six, Miami Heat at five, and uh, Philadelphia 76ers at four, I believe. Yeah. And then I guess I have the Raptors below. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I have the Raptors at six, and then the teams below that, the Celtics, Heat, and 76ers, and sort of a tier of themselves. Uh, What about you? Yeah, I definitely pretty different. I'm glad we're differing a little bit. I've also got the Raps in that six spot and the Celtics in the five spot, but I've got Brooklyn in the four spot and Miami in the three spot with uh, the Sixers in the two spot and the Bucks obviously taking that one spot. And I don't know, I, I wasn't always this high on the heat, but I've sort of come around on them. I think in my original iteration of this, I had them in the five spot, but there's something about that sort of cohesiveness, bringing together the same team that was just balling out two months ago and hopefully getting a little bit more development from guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, even though it only has been two months. It really just kind of works for me, I think. And I probably would have the Nets a little bit higher if I could trust those injuries, but I just don't know what kind of regular season team they're going to be. I have utmost trust that they're going to be a balling out team in the postseason, but I don't know. I, I can't really get convinced that given what kind of load management and resting, I think they're going to have that they're going to be able to just put it together for 72 games, even though I really do trust the shit out of them to put it together for a playoff season. And I don't know, maybe you could say that because they were a seven seed last year, they're something similar to what the Raptors were two years ago when, when Kawhi sat out, they were pretty much the same team without him just absolutely bawling out. But I don't think they're quite that talented. And I think that it's going to be a completely different offense. Like, when uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie are on the floor, you're going to have to play completely differently. And I can't imagine that those two dudes don't sit a decent amount. So it's just hard to predict. I wouldn't be surprised if they took the one spot, frankly, but that's, that's where I lie for now with 
the Bucks. Who gives a fuck what they do in the regular season? But I, I assume they're going to just coast to that one spot. Yeah, I also have the Bucks in the one spot, and also do not care at all what they do in the regular season. Um, you know, maybe there's some intrigue in the Bucks season. Yeah, the Nets in a two spot then during the regular season. Yeah, Nets in the yeah. two spot. Um, I just went with talent again. I think that I think that what I've seen from Kevin Durant in the preseason and stuff is enough for me to think that throughout the season he'll get back to like 90-95% of what he was before the injury which would be you know <laughs> probably the best player in the east yeah um probably slightly better than Giannis especially in a playoff setting um and I think that the I mean the Nets are really good I think Steve Nash makes a lot of sense as a head coach they've got a loaded coaching staff they've got really, really talented young players. And uh, quite frankly, I think they're going to get James Harden. I, I, I think that they're going to make some sort of move to improve yeah. who they get. I, I don't know if it's Harden, but I think that Philly or them do get Harden right. throughout the season. Yeah, and I don't know. The thing with the Nets is they're just such a bad matchup for Milwaukee. And we can get into that a little bit when we get to these, what we have predicted for the playoffs. But it's just tough because Giannis really matches up poorly as we've seen over the past two years against big capable wing defenders who can play two through four, or at least switch a little bit. And the Nets don't really have a guy like that, even though I think that they are capable at paint defense. And I just don't like that matchup at all, but I don't think we're going to get it. So I'm not too worried about it. (laughs) I do tend to agree with that. I think that the Nets defensively are going to struggle and it's going to have to be KD almost acting as an elite wing defensively and taking on some of the toughest assignments, at least in tight fourth quarter uh, playoff moments, which he's never really done before. He is semi-built to do it, but that's a lot to ask in considering yeah. what you're assuming they're going to ask him to do on the offensive end. Uh, but, you know, I, I just yeah. think that, that KD, I've, I it will go when we go over the West. We'll talk about how the I put I really like the Nuggets because I think that they had the best offensive duo in the, duo in the league last season. I think that pending seeing them both healthy, Katie and Kyrie are going to be the best offensive duo in the league. I think that they have just you know a, a really high ceiling there. Yeah, and Kyrie has looked awesome, and I, I mean KD, frankly, has looked awesome too. And I think he can get back offensively to ninety to one hundred percent of what he was before the injury. But just his body size looks a little bit different, and that's what worries me. Is he already wasn't a guy who could just size up defensively with some of the other best wings in the league? So, you know, already what seems like losing a little bit of muscle in his legs and upper body, it just worries me and maybe that's you know over worrying because they do have uh, Jeff Green on the wings to hopefully (laughs) take over a little bit of that responsibility Karis LeVert isn't a terrible defender but he's also not a great defender so I don't know where that leaves them it's a lot of questions and it's kind of lame to say that but it's hard really to predict them more than anybody else which probably is fair because their best two players didn't play all last season so (laughs) yeah exactly the uh you know, a lot of times confusing teams are the ones who are adding uh, are the ones who add the best players over the offseason. So maybe this offseason it was Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. You would imagine the Suns and Wizards are teams that have high levels of variance. Right. Might look very different from last year. 
it's sort of like Kyrie, Kyrie and KD are the are also changing teams. It's the first time yeah. we're gonna see them and the Warriors. Yeah. All all teams that are gonna be very tough to predict this and season. Frankly, the Bucks. I mean, I think they are more talented in their starting five, obviously, but they don't really have a bench this year. And how do you predict something like that, especially for a guy like Bud who loves playing his bench units? So. It's going to be weird. The Eastern Conference is not anything like it was before. And I, I don't know. Let's talk about the Bucks a little bit because they are the two-time reigning top seeds in the Eastern Conference and have the two-time reigning MVP. And we'll get into MVP stuff later. Like, that is a whole different conversation. But this team kind of seems built still to run through the regular season. I think Giannis is probably going to be even better considering he's only 26 years old, but doesn't really matter too much to me. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I think that, you know, we watch these playoff games and so often in fourth quarters, you look back and it comes down to giving your superstar the ball and setting up things for him to sort of just run the offense, go get buckets, go get his teammates open, go get game-winning shots. And how much do you trust Giannis to do that when he doesn't have a jump shot? He doesn't have a fadeaway. If the rim is blocked off, if it's not an easy layup or dunk, how much do you trust him to make a difficult, you know, off balance, contorted shot? And it's stuff he's gotten a lot better at. But uh, at some point, the playoffs are going to come down to it. Middleton is maybe slightly over overtasked with that job. Uh, I think they're going to be really good. I still worry about who their fourth and fifth players are going to be in uh, crunch time lineups. But you know, maybe they also feel a little bit of weight off their shoulder now that Giannis has signed a five-year deal with them and they yeah. know they have time to fill out the roster and maybe, you know, see, feel out what this Drew Holiday team feeling is. Just to get you on the record, uh, over under 0.5 championships over this next five years for the Milwaukee Bucks. I saw this question posed earlier. I'm going to say over, but... If you ask me to, I would very, very quickly say now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a toss-up. What about you? I don't think they're winning a championship, but that's something I think we can get to when we get to our finals predictions because, man, the Lakers are are really good. (laughs) They got a lot better this offseason. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough for the Bucs. They do. I mean, like any other team like this, super team, whatever you want to call it, are going to have more opportunities to build out that bench in the future. We saw that big difference between the Mavericks uh, heat in 2011 and the roster that they were rolling out in 2012, where they had guys off the bench who could just, you know, Birdman coming out and raining threes in a uh, 2013 playoff game to sort of pull them over the edge. And Maybe we'll get that in a year from now where the Bucks have guys that you can at least sort of rely on behind them, but it does not feel good right now. I'm not sure Bobby Portis is a guy I want to be running serious minutes with in the playoffs. So it's going to be odd. And I'm excited to see what happens and what kind of moves they make. And James Harden, if Jonathan Tentacumbo didn't hate his guts so much, would be a fascinating, fascinating fit there, maybe even more so than any other team in the league. But yeah, I think they're missing something. And maybe that thing is just Giannis elevating his game in the biggest moments. Because frankly, if you look at what the difference was between the Raptor series and the Heat series and the rest of Giannis's playoff dominant career, it's really how well Giannis is playing. So maybe it just comes down to that. And I don't know. We're going to see. It's going to be a great year, I think. 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. The East could go. It's why it, it's uh, for the first time. It's something like six five six teams. You could yeah. all see win the East and not be surprised. Yeah. And I think in the West you can get pretty deep with teams uh, like that too. So yeah, you want to give me your seven through ten? Yeah, let's go through it in the West. I think you know while the Lakers are a big favorite, there's some talented teams. <laughs> Now, probably probably a west. little bit more deep in the west yeah. i'd say <laughs> seven through ten in the west is uh ridiculous i had a super tough time putting this together but yeah, i left off I a team that i really like <laughs> what i what i have right now is the suns raptor or suns jazz pelicans and rockets uh seven okay. through ten i the Rockets, I don't know how to feel about just because they could uh, have their best player by far not be on their roster very soon, is at least by trade deadline, and which would result in them playing a third of the season, you know, with a team that was built for a player that's not there. Um, however, I feel like I have to right. include them just because of how talented they are, how good Christian would look, um, and how good James Harden is. The Pelicans, I'm sure you're higher on than me. Uh, Zion looks incredible. <laughs> if he plays consistently, I think he will be an all-star. I think that he, if it if the competition wasn't so stiff between Kawhi, LeBron, and AD and Jokic, I think he would have an argument for a starter. But uh, I don't know how much he'll play. Uh, they could be really good and they could just miss a lot of jumpers and shoot themselves out of games. What what is your seven through 10 in the West look like? My seven through 10 is golden state at the seven Utah at the eight Portland at the nine and also Houston at the 10, which I I really like San Antonio and Memphis this year and leaving them out of this was not fun. And I think I would not be surprised if either of those teams end up in the seven to 10 because I don't know. San Antonio has incredible coaching and Memphis has incredible young talent and it's tough, but the West is fucking insane this year. And this is why they should move to a one through 16 seating format. But yeah, I don't know. Golden State. Yeah. Right. Golden State is probably the biggest, I don't know, reach for here. Me putting them in this seven through 10 spot, but I just don't have a lot of trust. I think Steph Curry is going to ball out this year, but unless we see somebody, whether it be Kent Bazemore or Kelly Oubre or James Wiseman or Draymond Green step up and prove that they can be at a level that either they haven't been at before or in Draymond's case that they were at three or four years ago slash when they decide to go on a diet for a couple months. The last playoff run, he he was playing really, really well. For sure, but I mean, we just didn't see it during the regular season. You know, we saw the news reports. Uh, Draymond Green has decided to get in shape, and 20 days later, he looked cut and ready to run the league over. But what are we going to get from him this year? I don't know. I, I like the pictures out of uh, training camp with him, arm over James Wiseman's shoulder, directing him uh, how to sort of improve his defensive game. And it, it makes me happy. And I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond just looked like an absolute stud, facilitating offense, driving open threes for guys who, frankly, there aren't a lot of great three-point shooters on that team. I mean, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are awesome finishers at the rim for whatever other faults you want to say about their games and just never They're have been good. Both of them. I, I mean, even if you want, you call it streaky, I mean, even on their hot streaks, neither of them are really great three-point shooters I mean Ubre showed flashes of it in Washington not too much in Phoenix and I don't know 
they're going to need open shots. And that's a lot of that's going to come from Draymond facilitating. And we know he can do it. So it's going to be a matter of how much does he buy into a team that frankly is likely going to go through struggles, you know, no matter how good they are, there's going to be some tough spots and how much is Draymond a notoriously hot headed and uh, short tempered guy going to be willing to go with that. I don't know. I'm excited to see it. Well, you know, you think back to this story from that Oklahoma City game where Steph hit the game winner in 2016 and how Steph, it was sort of a symbolic of how Steph is always the savior when shit starts to go wrong with the Warriors, when Draymond headedness takes him over, maybe puts him over a line uh, that <laughs> he has to try not to cross. Uh, Steph has always been there, has always come through clutch for the most part. And this is going to be a big test of his leadership, of his ability to sure. carry a team, whereas people might not might think that he's the best guard in the league, best second best point guard of all time, but have never maybe but just because of stature, because of the talent he's had around him at all times, don't consider him a guy that can carry a bad team and put a team on his shoulders through a full season. Uh, but I think he can do it. I think he is the most you know, I I think I was going between Harden and Jokic and LeBron for this last year, but I think he is right in that caliber as the most important offensive players in the league for a team, just with the gravity he attracts, with how many people, with how good he can shoot, with how many people need to be paying attention to him at all times. Yeah. Uh, I think, and then the last thing I want to say is how last season – the Warriors, with all the terrible, you know, barely NBA-level talent they had on their roster, were still running an NBA offense, and they were still playing defense and still communicating and had a scheme and had a and had an ideology surrounding what they did. And I've been seeing that carry over to some of the new players and some of the old players in um, these preseason games. And I think that it'll be a test of Kerr, too as we've never seen him as a coach. And I trust him enough as a coach to think he'll be able to pull it together. And I had them in the five spots in the West, although I that could easily slip down if Curry, you know, gets a bum ankle and misses weeks here and there or something. Yeah, that's a good point. And it is a short season, so injuries are more important than ever. And yeah, I, I mean, I'd go a step past that and say I have long believed that even a notch above Kevin Durant, I don't think it's a huge notch, but I think Steph Curry is the best offensive player in the league and probably the best offensive player I've ever watched in my entire life. And that means a lot. But man, the supporting cast is thin. And I don't know who their second best offensive player is going to be. Is, is it going to be Kelly Oubre? Is it going to be have to be James Wiseman? I, I don't know. And it worries me. But at the same time, we saw him take over games as recently as two years ago. And I, I mean, he's had a full season of rest and probably is more motivated than ever. And I'm excited as hell. And frankly, he looks pretty good. He's looked streaky in the preseason, but it looks like he's ready to ready to come back as good as ever. Yeah, I think everybody has a haircut. Fresh, oh, it looks really good. That might be the <laughs> best part of him uh, so far. Yeah, that's why I'm so confident. <laughs> I think everybody. Uh, I'll wait until you put him in their top six. I'm sure to talk about the other teams I've got here: Utah and Portland. You put Utah in your seven. You want to say a few words on them real quick? Um, I don't really care. I think I had them at eight. Actually, I think I had okay. the Sun I had at seven eight too. and Utah at eight. Um, I think Utah's. They were the best shooting team in the league last year. They're probably still the best shooting team in the league. Uh, I think they're going to be really 
I think that makes their offensive floor really high. And I think the fact that they have Gobert anchoring their defense makes their defensive floor really high. Um, what their ceiling is uh, on defense is probably just naturally limited by some of their slower players and the specific ways you have to cater to Gobert as a defender. Um, yeah. A little bit just in terms of Donovan Mitchell is six foot four, six foot five, but has a six ten wingspan and would be perfect switching because of that wingspan. But you don't switch when you have Rudy Gobert. Um, other than that, I think that and then their offensive ceiling is going to be defined by what Mitchell uh, can do as a facilitator, as an engine for an offense, uh, as a guy who is just like, you know, can he be up on those lead lead offensive fulcrum levels that you put a Jokic or a LeBron on, uh, Kawhi, these guys who are at the very, very top in the West. Because, you know, those, that's, when it comes down, to, comes down to in the playoffs, those are the guys he goes against. He didn't beat Jamal Murray and Jokic last year. Can he raise his level to something that would beat them this year? Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't know. I think he did just about everything he could have to beat that series. You know, there are other reasons. Frankly, you know, I mean, Denver had guys out too. I don't want to make excuses for them. But, you know, missing Bogdanovich is pretty big. And I don't know. It's fair to expect Donovan Mitchell, a guy who I wasn't really high on during his rookie season, to take a leap. I've so far bought into Donovan Mitchell. It's kind of crazy. I'm like ready to bet on him for MVP this season. I think he's going to be so good, but I don't know. Like you said, the kind of fit with the rest of the pieces that they have is the biggest thing that is sort of holding me back from believing that they can be a top four seed, which is probably what you need to get an MVP spot. And it's just tough, man. I mean, not only the fact that he isn't a great fit with their probably second best player in Rudy Gobert. I mean, maybe Mike Conley goes back to what he used to used to be, but I don't have a lot of hopes for that. It's just tough. And the fact that they aren't, you know, super compatible off the court and personality wise, I think is important. Okay. Like you look at a team like the Lakers versus a team like the Clippers, and you can see that a big reason why the Lakers were so successful was because they were so cohesive. They enjoy each other's company off the court, which is not something you see a lot of apparently in the Clippers locker room. And those kind of things can take teams down and three, one leads don't just happen out of nowhere, you know, strong, well-run and good chemistry teams don't usually lose three playoff games to the same team in a row. It takes something kind yeah. of more than just what's going on on the court. And yeah. I what mean, a, So I'm, uh, I'm wondering, uh, considering how Donovan Mitchell has this propensity to go have these seven for 22 nights, uh, have these cold shooting nights, maybe you want to give him a second, you know, all-star level player, elite level player to play with. Currently that guy is Gobert, but offensively he's not going to create really anything for himself. He's not going to take any load off of Mitchell's shoulder there. So much of their defense is built around him and he's so important to them, but he is going to be Supermax eligible soon. I don't think the Jazz are going to offer him the full Supermax, and I don't think Rudy would expect that. But would you keep Rudy, or would you try and search, trade him, try and search out, uh, you know, a cheaper deal? What, what would you do with Rudy Gobert? If I didn't know did? exactly where you were going with that, and I was just going to make some comment on how much James Harden would assuredly dislike <laughs> living in Salt Lake City. But 
<laughs> I would. <laughs> I, I went. I flew into to Salt Lake City on a Saturday night and drove to my hotel at 11:30 p.m. and there was not a single person on the street. <laughs> they uh, they were social so distancing. Bad. They were they were ahead of the curve actually. Um, yeah, I, I would trade the shit out of Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I'm so low on Rudy Gobert. Like, get he's so fucking strong, and I think he is a great defender. Although, fuck him for getting those Defensive Player of the Year awards that I really don't believe he deserved in any case that he won him but yeah i would trade him i mean i think if you don't give him the max some other team probably will because he you know would probably have that kind of value to a charlotte or something like that so yeah fucking trade him (laughs) yeah that's i i tend to think that way for utah too i think they've had this mitchell gobert core for a while and they're sort of it's been this is going to be a few years of playoff appearances and they're sort of reaching their idea of what their ceiling might be with that core. Uh, The other thing I agree with you about is that there would be a lot of interest for Rudy Gilbert if he became open on the trade market as like weird of a player as he is and as like, you know, uh, unique as he is compared to the rest of the elite big men. You know, you think Jokic, Embiid, Towns, you know, that level, he is so much different from them, so much lower so much worse offensively but uh there'd be a big market for him and i wonder if the jazz can potentially find something to complement donovan mitchell in a more natural way yeah Uh, i would i would love to see a capable wing three and d guy next to donovan mitchell so badly i mean as much as i love bojan you know the capabilities or the possibilities there are sort of endless and i don't know i mean we saw rudy gobert be pretty damn good during that Denver series as much as we might want to hate on him. So I yeah. think there would be interest. Like he is if, valuable for what a lot of the teams are going to need to stop. You know, if you need to stop a guy like Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy who could at least sort of try exactly. maybe to do that. Or even a guy like Giannis, you know, Giannis can only score at the rim and, you know, look at a team like the Sixers. So many of these teams that are threatening mm-hmm. live in the paint. And that's how right. you stop a team like that is get a guy like Gobert. I have uh, I have no clue what um, if the Brooklyn pieces would be attractive to Utah at all. The Brooklyn young guys, but Gobert with the Nets with Katie and Kyrie makes a lot of sense as a team that needs a defensive anchor. Although I don't know, DeAndre Jordan seems to be pretty tight with Katie and Kyrie. I don't know how he would feel about the deal, but that's one that makes a lot of sense uh, as a contender. After that, you're looking at like. The Washingtons, the Charlottes, the the worst teams trading for Rudy and maybe raising the floor, chasing a Washington would be kind of interesting, but yeah, I see your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to throw your six through one at me? Six through one. Um, so let's see here. I have. I'll go six through four. I'll say Blazers. I'll go six through six through three actually, because I okay. the top yeah. two is probably pretty similar. So I have Blazers uh, at the six, Warriors at the five, Mavericks at the four, and then Nuggets at the three. Okay. Uh, what is what is yours looking like? I've got the Pelicans at the six, the Nuggets at the five, the Suns at the four, and the Mavericks at the three. I'm buying into the Suns, man. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I really think Aiden is going to take a leap, and I think Chris Paul is going to be so great for that team. I just – facilitating getting open looks and 
frankly, like as stupid as it sounds, just pushing guys to be the best version of themselves that they can be. I mean, it's been said by so many people so many times, but I think he really is going to motivate them and kind of maybe what they've been lacking for all of Devin Booker's career is just a guy (laughs) certainly hasn't been a lot of the coaches that they've had to bring out the best in them. And I really am starting to believe, I I think their ceiling could be even higher than that four spot. And yeah, maybe I'm kind of low on Denver. What's your rationale? You got them in the three spot. I had Denver in the three spot. I, so the thing with the, the nuggets is like last season, they're, they're 16th in defensive rating. You know, they're middle of the pack defensive team, obviously known more for their offense. And they lose their best defensive player in Jeremy Grant in the offseason, best team defender. Uh, theoretically, that would – you would assume that would do a lot of damage to their defense, make them a lot worse. Uh, I don't think it's going to hurt them that much, honestly. I think they've got enough, like, smart NBA guys. They've been sort of – coasting along with middling wing defenders for a long time and building average defenses out of it. They're going to get Will Barton back who wasn't in the bubble. Yeah. I think Porter is going to be, you know, has the same build as Jeremy Grant, the same length and maybe is going to improve just based on his athleticism, his verticality, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I, I just think the Nuggets ha- are really good. They've been the two or three seed in the West the past few seasons. Uh, it's pretty much been start to finish that they've been that high in the West and just held on to it. I think they've established them. We, we think of them as a good run in the playoffs last year, but they've established themselves as a top tier West team in the regular season as well. Just a tad, just a tier below, you know, the Warriors when they were there and then the Lakers last year. So I, I just really trust them. I, they've been around. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. certainly has the potential to make a huge leap, and it wouldn't totally surprise me, but I think really the difference for me is going to come down to Jokic. Is he going to be the player that he's been for most of his career, or is he going to be the player that we saw for two months in the bubble? And it's a big difference. You know, Jokic was a at his best 2010, and I don't remember how many assists kind of guy, but, you know, he wasn't a prolific scorer at the rate that he was in the bubble until he got there. And, you know, he looked completely different too, is the thing that's kind of on the top of my mind. Like he lost a lot of weight. He looked a lot more athletic and man, he was just scoring in ways and at a rate that I've never seen him do before. And if he can keep that up and I don't think it is completely out of the question that he will, I could easily see them being the third or even higher in the West this year, especially since I think both LA teams are going to rest their stars a lot. I'm just not convinced that Jokic is going to turn into that sort of tier one player on a consistent full season basis that he needs to be. And I don't know. I think that's what it's going to take. I mean, to be a one or a two seed and, you know, you could coast your way to a three seed pretty easily, but I think you're going to need Jokic to hit another level. And I'm just not convinced, but like I said, I would not be surprised. I, I've, I'm really high on you because I personally think he's already at that level of like a tier one offensive guy uh, and hopefully him getting in shape helps him through the whole regular season handle stuff. I mean, I think I've, he's always been a really good offensive scorer, uh, one-on-one score, isolation score. He just hasn't gone to it a ton. He doesn't. And that's the thing that, it, you know, every year in the playoffs, he goes, he has these massive scoring games at 40, uh, a couple years ago against the Blazers in a playoff game uh, was putting up 30 point triple doubles last year. He's in the playoffs. He's always scored. 
And in the regular season, he's always had really high uh, points for possession on post-ups. He just doesn't go to it a ton. I would love to see him cut a lot of those. You know, he they're very good stat lines when he puts up, you know, 11, you know, 14 boards and nine assists or something in a game. But it would probably be best for the Nuggets, uh, at least for running regular season games, if he went to that every single, just went to being an aggressive post-up player and looking for his own shot every single night. I, I completely agree with that. I, I think I completely trust his scoring in the paint. And I think his post-up moves are probably second to none in the league. He is incredible at sort of creating his own Absolutely. shot within five feet, but I just don't trust his shooting, honestly. And he was insane. That's fair. He was on fire in the bubble. And I, I just don't know if he's going to look like prime Dirk this year. And <laughs> if he comes even, 80% close to what he was in the bubble, they're probably a three seed or a two seed. And I would not be surprised, but like, That's I just fair. don't, I'm not sold that he's going to be a 38 to 42% shooter in the long term. But who knows? I would love to see it. I think that makes him on that level. I just can't quite put him there yet. His, uh, his pick and pops were ridiculous in the bubble. And that's the one oh, thing, right. especially against Gobert, uh, who was hesitant to guard him all the way out to the three-point line just because how good he is at uh, getting around his defender and getting to the rim. That really won him the series. He doesn't shoot that well. But the thing that gives me confidence on his one-on-one scoring ability is how he is consistently, his last season and uh, and the season before, has been at the top of the league in terms of usage and uh, efficiency uh, in scoring in clutch moments. And so he's really, really good at hitting game winners. And when yeah. his team asked him to get him to get a basket to just uh you know be that guy he's been very confident at it and when teams throw two or three defenders obviously he's going to pick them apart and so i do i think that the one-on-one scoring is there i agree with you that i he needs to cut out he needs to average up to i think he can average 25 26 points per game and make himself an mvp candidate uh otherwise he could coast to 22 points a game yeah. Uh, but maybe that was just out of shape, Jokic, that did that. Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely could be. I mean, that's so true. I remember, I mean, that face-up he had driving to the rim against Anthony yeah. Davis was just insane. I mean, that's one of the best plays, if not for Anthony Davis having the best play of the postseason yeah. right afterwards that we'd be talking about for a long, long time. And, yeah, I mean, we were talking about it a ton. He's, what, like 10-2 and two in elimination games in his playoff career? He's he's a baller, and when you need somebody to get you a bucket, there aren't that many big men that I would trust above Nikola Jokic, and I probably would take him offensively over Giannis Antetokounmpo, which, you know, brings a lot of team-building questions into the forefront, and that's why I think it's going to be a pretty fascinating playoffs this year. But it might not be a fascinating playoffs if these two teams we have in the top two spots are as good as they can be, which makes things a little bit confusing. I, what, what order did you have those top two in? I, I went Clippers second to the uh, Lakers first. I mean, okay. I don't think that it's particularly close right now. Uh, I mean, I think the Clippers I, I, are going to yeah. be really good, but the Lakers, I mean, it's LeBron James <laughs> and it's Anthony Davis. I mean, they looked ridiculous in the playoffs. I think just, you know, LeBron's not going to bring it defensively in the regular season, but I think defensively and offensively, uh, ridiculous combination, uh, really, really smart additions. Marcus Hull is fitting in. Right. Like a oh, my God. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's going to be a blast to watch them all season as a team that coasted throughout the regular season with great chemistry and looked happy and excited the whole way. Through, one seat. Yeah. <laughs> it almost, yeah, it, it almost 
has that feel that they're just going to do it right again and the good vibes have not uh, gone away yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah, and like, doesn't it feel like if there was a game when Anthony Davis and LeBron James both decided to sit, don't you think they could be competitive? Like that—that's the kind yeah, of the absolutely. crazy thing. It's, Maybe not the you playoffs know, in regular season games easily. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I mean, you have guys off of your bench like I mean, he's the talk of the town right now. But Taylor Horton Tucker, I don't think he's going to fit in <laughs> perfectly with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court, but. If LeBron James decides to take a rest day and you could just put the ball in his hands, Damon Horton Tucker can fucking score on dudes. And like, I don't think he's going to be a perfect off ball player, but you know, running bench units and running games where LeBron might be load managing, it's like, that's just the kind of guy that you need. And I mean, they got Dennis Schroeder and they got Montrez Harold, the two of the sort of best spark plug bench guys in the league. And I get the questions about Montrez Harrell's fit. I, I am a little bit higher, I think, than most people, but Dennis Streeter kind of fits, like you're saying, like a fucking glove. He's a great on-ball defender on point guards, and he's going to be able to just do everything that they sort of need. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He can pass the ball. He can sort of take over those secondary ball handling units when LeBron maybe needs to take a rest or only play 20 to 30 minutes a game, and God damn can he score the ball catch and shoot threes he can create a shot a little bit i think it's going to be awesome and yeah i've got that same order i wouldn't be surprised if we saw sort of a vengeance from paul george in the playoff or in the regular season i don't think we're going to get that in the playoffs but yeah uh, i got the lakers at number one i i think the clippers might be getting a little bit underrated a little i could see them take that one spot but the lakers are a better mm-hmm. team like you said how can you be against mm-hmm. them right now yeah the clippers uh fascinate me just because what they're going to look like. Because last season, you know, we, we heard all those stories about the locker room and, you know, off the court, how the new guys, how Kawhi and Paul George, never really messed with the pre-existing cast there. But on the court, you saw that same thing. I mean, these lineups with Paul George and Kawhi were just played. Gross. They would play them, and then they would have uh, the Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell lineups take take its turn and take its go at it. Um, I saw that the of the – 10 highest played uh, lineups for the for the Clippers last year. Uh, the ones with the best rating all had Paul George, Kawhi, and Montrez Harrell in them. Or, or not Montrez Harrell, and Viga Zubac in them. So I think the fact that Harrell is their biggest departure and yeah. was not someone who really ever fit in super well with George and Kawhi, never got a ton of minutes with them, and then never – did super well when he did play with them uh, maybe means that loss won't hurt them a ton and just trying to find a team that works together more than a team that has it for sure Kawhi Paul George ball and it's Lou Will uh, Montrez Harrow ball and then I think um, uh, yeah I just think that and I think that Serge Ibaka is the perfect guy to sort of bridge that gap and create a full team out of it we already saw him in Toronto and know he has chemistry with Kawhi so he should be the perfect big to play with Zubac a little bit and then also still be able to play with uh, George and Leonard when Zubac is off the floor. Yeah, I, I think he's a perfect on-court fit too. You know, the chemistry stuff, you can talk about it for hours. He, he is a glue guy in the most basic sense of the word. But outside of that, I'm not sure they've done much to sort of improve all the reports that have been persistent during the offseason. And <laughs> people making jokes like, you know, is uh, – Kawhi going to be like reading self-help books on how to be a better leader or whatever it's just not mm-hmm. the kind of thing you can teach not to my knowledge at least you know you either have sort of those Man. capabilities or you don't it's not something in a two-month period you can just learn how to 
be a better leader and you know people I learn to be a better leader but i i completely agree but i think that's something that is a personal journey it's not something that just you know from october to december you just figure out how to lead a team especially when i don't know i maybe Kawhi is a bigger man than most and is able to sort of admit the flaws that he's had in that locker room mm-hmm. but i don't know I, I don't have a lot of faith they're going to be able to figure out the chemistry issues but at the end of the day they're probably the second most talented team in the league so where does that leave them i, I don't know exactly and Kawhi leonard uh had the best non-LeBron playoff run of the past, you know, in sense like Kobe or Tim Duncan yeah. just two years ago. So you would assume that, you know, maybe, maybe a little KD sprinkled in there, but I think you're probably right. Maybe a little KD or Dirk for that one yeah. sprinkled in there. But, uh, you know, he's on that elite level. Uh, yeah, and and he's, he's, he's a guy that you would assume – He's he's gotten to the level of guy where you have him on your team and all of a sudden your team is a championship contender that right. has championship hopes. So he also played at that level for one series plus four games. You know, he looked like if not the best player in the league, which LeBron probably has taken that mantle back, but the best scorer in the league at the very least, and probably still like the best defender in the league. You know, the thing is with him and the issues persist with Anthony Davis too. And the issues persist with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and a lot of other stars over the league, but the injuries, man, like he's the kind of guy who doesn't exactly look at some point during every season, like the guy we know he can be. And that was even true in Toronto where Kawhi Leonard did not look during those finals, the same way that he looked during most of those playoffs leading up to it. And it kind of took a, war of attrition type of injuries to his opponent for them to sort of coast away with that victory. But Kawhi versus the Sixers was like a different player than Kawhi versus the Warriors. And, you know, the reports of him limping in the locker room and barely being able to walk after some of those finals games, it, it worries me. And I don't know. I think it kind of comes down to Paul George, as weird as that is. Ooh, we'll see. They're sort of a funky on-court fit together. Yeah. Uh, at least offensively, defensively, you know, they're just going to lock guys up, take on uh, the toughest. Theoretically, though, although, right? Like, you yeah, know, Paul George although, hasn't looked as good defensively as he looked at, like, you know, the Pacers in so yeah. long. Like, Paul George did not look right. great during those postseason last year. So, I don't know. I'm skeptical. Right. It's something I mentioned in the uh, in the playoffs, but it's just another – not to, you know – celebrate the Lakers even more than we need to. But the thing about LeBron and AD is that any superstar duo lineup, any, you know, because a lot of times in the playoffs, it comes down to the superstars playing their two-man game, playing pick and roll or isolating or something uh, on offense. And pretty much any two-man combination of people, I feel comfortable with both LeBron and Anthony Davis switching on to. Uh, You think of like a Jamal, like when they played Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic, LeBron and AD were both comfortable switching on to both of those players for periods of time. They could put them on those two players and switch those two men actions. Uh, while Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are incredible defenders individually, there's sort of uh, some overlap in their skill set and who they can guard. Maybe it's just two through four. They can't quite uh, yeah. guard one and five. And so they they neither of them are big enough to handle Nikola Jokic and not even quicker agile enough to handle Jamal right. Murray. And I think about that with 
in a lot of series, you know, think Katie and Kyrie, I feel comfortable with LeBron and AD switching on to both of them. Um, it's just fascinating. I think the Lakers are <laughs> so well put together and LeBron and AD are the two teammates that make just a ton of sense together. <laughs> they're they're so deep. It's, it's honestly crazy. You know, if you go against the Nets, you don't even need LeBron to guard Kyrie. You can kind of put Dennis Schroeder tail on him and let LeBron play that free safety sure. role. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. The Lakers are going to be great. I, I can't wait. And, you know, we're four days away from getting those two teams playing each other in the first round and it, or in the first game. Uh, it, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I've been, knocking beers over the course of this uh podcast episode and my uh <laughs> my brain's slipping away with me but yeah <laughs> it oh my god you want to uh you want to roll on to these uh award predictions or do you, oh you want to do our uh playoff predictions first yeah you go first yeah sure um weirdly enough you talk nets versus lakers that that's actually going to be my finals pick but I've got Eastern Conference Finals, the Nets beating the Heat, and the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers beating the Clippers. And in the finals, the Lakers knocking off the Brooklyn Nets. I uh, I think I'm in the same boat with you. I think it's going to be Lakers over Nets in the finals. My caveat is that I think if James Harden gets to the Sixers, it would be the Sixers. I still, when it comes down to it with the Sixers, I don't think that they're – half-court offense is quite good enough still. <laughs> I don't know if Embiid is that go-to guy yeah. in the playoffs um, offensively. And so I I think the Nets have the best two guys there that are going to hit clutch shots, get some buckets, uh, get get points when they need it. Uh, a little I, – I don't love the hive mind now. <laughs> yeah, well, talk about hive mind. I'll just read you my quote of what I have written in my Word doc. Quote, uh, with the caveat that if James Harden gets traded to the Sixers or the Heat, depending on the assets given up, yeah. I would pick them to win the finals. Yeah, we're uh, we're too much on the same wavelength right now. But <laughs> I So I assume that you would pick a James Harden, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid team to make the finals, if not win. Do you think that Joel Embiid and James Harden make the finals when they yeah mm-hmm. without Simmons? I I tend to agree. Yeah, yeah. I probably think James Harden and Ben Simmons make the finals. I'm less convinced about that, just off a of fit basis. Yeah. Like running a thousand high screen rolls with Joel Embiid and James Harden might be the most efficient offense in the league. But uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, man, the Heat, I think, are even more intriguing to me. I think if you put any group around Bam, Jimmy, and James Harden, you're making the finals. And I think that, that team might beat the Lakers. So, yeah. That team would be ridiculous. <laughs> a, Bam, a Bam, Jimmy, James Harden team. Uh, it's, a, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think the we James Harden is such a good player, uh, and he has these obvious he has so much power that he can uh, influence to some degree what teams he wants to go to. And obviously right. there's going to be better teams and worse teams. Yeah. Uh, so we can, so we can do this fantasy work, imagining super teams with James, James Harden, but I am sort of interested to see what suitors end up uh, sneaking up on us. Uh, Cause when it comes down to it, it's the best offer that the Rockets get, not who Harden wants to go to. Two years of Harden is going to entice some team that may not still that may not be convinced that they can keep him 
after those two years, but I think two years of James Harden is still worth it. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're a middling team, so yeah, I'm still not sure. We'll see what the best the offer. Best. <laughs> we'll see what the best offer can be. Yeah, no, that that's true. I think it's going to be fascinating. There's really no way in my mind he's still a rocket at the trade deadline, but no, I maybe maybe not. That. We'll we'll see. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're agreeing, and I'm sure our predictions will quickly be shattered. But uh, either way, I feel confident in my Lakers Nets prediction. I think those are the two most talented teams in the league two most deep teams in a season where you're probably going to need a lot of depth. So I, I feel pretty good about it. I think the uh, storylines would be fascinating too. The Katie versus LeBron, Kyrie versus LeBron. <laughs> it would be a really fun finals all around built in the same summer. These yeah. teams that uh, just left for the big, these, players that just left for the big markets to form super team if we get katie lebron and mahomes aaron Rodgers in the same year like 2020 might have been might have been worth it i don't know <laughs> maybe that's too far <laughs> that's a bold yeah it was a bold proclamation but <laughs> maybe oh man all right you want to move on to some of these awards predictions yeah let's hit it all right uh i'll fire off my rookie of the year predictions because these are weirdly the ones I feel the best about, um, <laughs> which probably is not the same in most, most years. I mean, I probably would have come out saying there's no fucking way Zion wasn't winning rookie of the year last year. But uh, in right. the five spot, I've got Tyrese Halliburton. In the four spot, I've got Denny Advia. Ad, uh, uh, Denny um, In the three spot, I've got Isaac Okoro. In the two spot, I've got LaMelo Ball. And in the number one spot, I am predicting James Wiseman wins rookie of the year this year. That that's a pretty solid list. I I'm pretty similar to that. I didn't do a full five, but I think Wiseman uh, makes the most sense. Uh, he's like, it, he's not just some big body. He's an insanely talented player. Really long, really athletic, really fast. Uh, can jump, can finish. Uh, has good touch around the rim. Has shown somewhat of a mid range jump shot before, yeah. and. I mean, the Warriors have made, Steph Curry specifically has made Festus Azili and, you know. Don't hate on Kevon Looney. Bog- I, don't, I don't want to hear it. Freaky Andrew Bogut and uh, Kevon Looney and, <laughs> you know, uh, all of these replacement level, the b- below replacement level, JaVale McGee centers um, look incredible. Uh, a lot of it is from... Steph, a lot of it is from the four on the way that Draymond reads the four on yeah. three and his lobs he throws up. Uh, and, you know, his that, defensive capabilities just sort of making yeah. up for bad defenders. <laughs> exactly. I think that Wiseman um, is going to be the beneficiary of a lot of those four on threes. He's going to get a lot of lobs from Draymond this year. Is going to – is probably walks in there as their most uh, – as – their most trustworthy big man they're in their rotation. I guess you can, might close games with Draymond at the five and go super small. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, I think amongst Looney, amongst Marquise Chris, uh, just based on talent and <laughs> based on talent, mainly, I, I would hope that James Wiseman takes that spot. And I think that with that usage and with that talent, he makes sense to be the rookie of the year. Uh, especially if the Warriors overperform expectations and make a high playoff spot. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think that's that's very true. I think it's going to take, uh, I don't know, I mean, LaMelo's got the narrative and he's got the name and he's got the flashiness, so maybe, but I just think he's going to be such an inefficient scorer. It's hard to bank on that. And 
man, Wiseman, he's coming into the perfect situation, like you said. And I don't know. I think I think Denny has a shot at it. He's looked streaky, I think, to say the least, during these first couple of games. And that shot is going to be huge. But I don't think yeah. they're going to have him taking a lot of three-point shots. He's probably going to start. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities for him there. So we'll see. Um, I don't necessarily think it has to be a great team that wins rookie of the year. So either way, I think we could see a team on a, you know, low-end playoff team winning it. Like Sure. But, uh, yeah. I still think Wiseman and LaMelo, like you were saying earlier, are probably those uh, runaway candidates. You want to talk about anything, Edwards, or too boring? Um, probably too boring. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's interesting. I, I think the shot has a hitch in it. And, like, offensively, it'll probably come down to that. But he's explosive getting to the rim. And I, quite frankly, think he could be a really good team and individual defender. Uh, but the Wolves are probably too boring. It'd be fun. They're one of those – teams that depending on how well Edwards plays and some of their assets look they're sneaky fun in the uh, James Harden interesting yeah I I don't think the Wolves are boring because I, I have fully bought in on you know being interested in Malik Beasley and Jared Culver and even D'Angelo Russell who I think has some interesting stuff I don't know what it's going to be I don't think he's as good nearly as he was in that blowout season in Brooklyn but I think he's got some juice, and I would want to see how he plays around. I'm interested in the Wolves. I just am not interested in Anthony Edwards. I'm getting some Andrew Wiggins vibes. He just seems bored and don't really feel like he's that great of an offensive creator. So even if he ends up being a great defender, I, I, I'm not super sold. And I don't know. I've been, I've been thinking since the beginning. I don't really understand why he made that pick. But a lot of smart people uh, – you know, feel like that was the right call. So I'm not going to judge too much until I see him on an actual NBA basketball court. But that's my that's my entry, Anthony Edwards' take. <laughs> we'll see. I think that they're just the youngest team. They are they are the youngest team in the league. There's going to be a lot of growing pains, a lot of yeah. guys who do not know how to play NBA basketball yet. Um, I think Ryan Saunders is going to get fired. And I think... I don't know. I, I really like Malik Beasley is the thing. Their defense is going to be so bad in Minnesota this year, but they've got guys who can score the basketball. That's the thing. Between mm-hmm. Beasley, Culver, who was a great shooter at the end of the year last year, D'Angelo Russell, who can create offense for himself, although not always for other players on his team, and Cat, who might be one of the five or six best offensive players in the league when he decides to actually care about what's going on on the court. So, you know, if they can figure out how to not be the worst defense in the league, which I think they are most likely going to be the worst defense in the league, I think they're going to be an interesting team, but I'm not sold. So <laughs> I think they might still, you know, I guess they, they don't have their pick, Golden State owns their pick. Yeah. I, so they won't be tanking. However, the fact that they're so young is just going to like the fact they'll come with a lot of losses. And, yeah. you know, what, uh, Giannis is uh, officially re-signed, uh, AD re-signed. It's time to put the next uh, superstar on the clock. So, you know, sooner or later, people are going to start thinking about if Carl Anthony Towns wants more out of his relationship with Minnesota than he's currently getting. And if D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio, and Anthony Edwards are the people who are going to bring him that. How happy is uh, Devin Booker in Phoenix is the question i suppose <laughs> uh give him a couple seasons of uh chris paul nagging slash coaching and we'll, <laughs> we'll see How, however he describes it however you know 
I I always maybe unfairly gave Devin Booker a soft label for the uh, the way he racked up his points and losing games and yeah, you know the the video where he said he didn't want to go against doubles and practice and 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 pick up I thought was kind of whack because soft. yeah it's a, I thought it was a little soft um however he does love to talk shit he doesn't back away from anyone it's just you know how well does he stand yeah. up to it can he when when teams get super physical with him and tight games and close games how is he going to handle it he is one of the players I'm most interested about uh going into the season yeah I think the Suns are going to be super super fun yeah I'm pretty fascinated too and I think he's built for it but like you're saying especially on defense you know when things get physical we have never seen him play a playoff game so a lot to learn even Cat we we know he he might not be super built for it in the playoffs but I don't know yeah I'm still on Cat Island (laughs) great offensive player just can he rebound can he I think he can defend to some degree. Can he improve his defense up a notch to uh, cover up some of the mistakes that his teammates are going to make is a different question because they are going to make a lot of mistakes on defense. Hopefully Rubio helps with some of that. Fingers crossed. Yeah, you got any MVP takes? MVP takes? Um I like the take that it's going to be a first-time MVP this season. Oh, I do not like the take. Interesting. I, I think KD probably would be the best guy to not uh, to fuck with that narrative. But between like Luca and Jokic and some of the other elite young guys, AD, I think that I, I think Luca is probably the odds-on favorite for me right now. You know, Giannis has to prove. You know, you have to prove yourself before winning three MVPs. Steve Nash, you know, you can get two MVPs and flame out in the playoffs, but the third MVP, you got to <laughs> I mean, there's only one guy ever who's done it. Larry, Larry Legend Bird is the only uh, back-to-back-to-back MVP winner. So I think you're, you're probably right. a, actually in the, in the modern in, era. But Yeah, since the merger. Oscar yeah. Robertson and I believe Kareem. Also probably Bill Russell. Maybe it's Will, right? It might have been. Maybe Bill Russell. I have no clue. It yeah. was it was in that era. For basketball that matters, it was uh, it yeah. was just Larry Bird. Sorry, Celtics fans. Uh, <laughs> need to give Tommy Heinsohn an aneurysm. <laughs> I'll throw my top five out: five Anthony Davis, four James Harden, three Giannis, uh, two Luca, and my MVP prediction is LeBron James. And I, I, I get all of the reasons why that might not happen, but. God was number two in MVP voting last year. And, and I know it's a short off season. I know he might only play 60 out of 72 games or whatever that might be, but he's still the best player in the league. And narratives often are that a guy who should have won and didn't win the previous years, which maybe is a, you know, reason why I might be putting James Harden too low. Although I don't think the voters are going to be particularly happy about what's gone on in the past couple of weeks. We, we know how the media no gets way. that he kind wins of this thing. Year. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's also kind you can of... mark Kyrie's name off the list, and he, he might be fighting for second team all in, for all NBA spot. Uh, but... If the if the chakras are if the chakras based on that sage lighting were right, I, I think he's got at least a little bit of a shot. But I don't know. I think it's LeBron James's last chance. It's a short year, and 
he got robbed during a year where James Harden won MVP. I know a lot of people won't agree with this, but I do believe he did get robbed a year where he played 82 games and James Harden only played, I, I think, about 65. And, you know, people ragged on LeBron for playing like shit for 10 games in the middle and taking defensive plays off. Well, fucking guys around the league are taking entire games off. And I think, you know, he's owed one. And I think this is his year. LeBron James MVP. I might put some money on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the you can make the same argument every single year for LeBron MVP. He's the best player. He's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. His team is going to be first or second in the league. Uh, it's just as he gets older, uh, you know, the usage stuff. It seems like he's not going to play a ton of games. It seems like uh, the Lakers are going to play a ton of guys. Uh, consistent minutes this season. Yeah, maybe ten to eleven players. I wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, they've got we'll, ten to eleven good players. So <laughs> yeah, we'll I just see. think I, yeah, LeBron during his healthy seasons of his career in the past eleven years has has not come outside the top five in MVP voting, and don't think he's gotten much worse. So it really <laughs> is just load management potentially sitting in his way. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. I, I guess when I think about it, I was already sort of setting LeBron aside in the MVP vote because of the load management talk I'm in the season. But if someone asked me if he'd be in my top five, I'd probably say yeah. yeah. And does that mean that he has a legitimate shot to really win it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> if he didn't win it, though, last year when he led the league in assists and had the number one seed in the West and all this stuff uh, – it might be tough to win it again. I don't know what's going to do it. Yeah. You got any uh, final depoy takes? We can probably wrap it up soon. We've been uh, plugging along here, but I, this, is, this has been fun. I, I've got some uh, hot takes off my chest. I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I won't feel good until the real NBA regular season basketball starts. <laughs> this is such a confusing time um, between, between the players. Four days. That's Four days until basically all the teams we have major questions about, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nets, and the Warriors are all on the court playing each other. And it's going to be glorious. And that is the other part of it is how seriously your team is going to take these beginning of regular season games just because uh, they stopped playing like a month ago, a month and a half ago. They've got older players. Um but on the, on the other hand, it's a short and regular season, and each game matters more in the playoffs. The seeding's going to be so tight that a team like the Warriors might not have the luxury to rest Steph as much as they would want to. Uh, it's going to be all-around fascinating. I think the teams are going to try hard, and <laughs> these young teams that maybe didn't even play in the bubble might have a little extra pop uh, because <laughs> they've had, like, eight months of rest, nine months of rest since March. That is so true. I mean, it's the hardest season to predict, I think, as long as we've been following the NBA. So it's going to be going to be wild. I don't super know what to expect this season. Yeah, but for my my defensive player of the year, I still picked Giannis and Anthony Davis number two. And I think maybe I'm underrating Anthony Davis both for defensive player of the year and MVP a little bit. Like, it wouldn't be crazy if he took both of them, I don't think, but you know, Giannis is probably still the second best 
defensive player in the league behind Anthony Davis. And I think momentum will probably carry him there just on a narrative basis. And mm-hmm. I think their team defense is going to be as good as the Lakers, considering that Drew Holiday is a fucking great perimeter defender. So. Yeah, I think that the I would probably lean AD first for Depoy and then Bam and then Giannis Embiid uh, in sort of a tier. Uh, they're they're all incredible. It's very tough to predict. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who who goes? Uh, who wins the defensive player of the year? It's a lot of times not even the best defensive player. It's a, yeah. As with all these awards, it's very narrative-driven. Yeah, I mean, I think Anthony Davis has probably been the best defensive player when he's played full seasons for a while now and hasn't won one in a while. So, I mean, Kawhi probably too, but he's not really playing full seasons ever. So, (laughs) what a weird league. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Kawhi is probably a top two or three defender in the league, but it's hard to even put him. I didn't put him in my top five, just kind of assuming – He's not going to play the kind of games needed. And frankly, I don't think the Clippers are going to have the kind of team defense needed to vault someone up to that kind of stature. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> very unfortunate for the Clippers uh, went into the offseason with a lot of questions that yeah. are going to be have to be answered by Serge Ibaka and Luke Kennard. So. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. League pass team. How about that? Well, what's the team you're most that's, excited to see? That's a very good one. Uh, I think this might be biased, but obviously the Wizards are yeah. really, really high. Uh, <laughs> just with Westbrook and Amdia, those additions, along with just internal development from their other young players, Thomas Bryant, Isak Bonga, guys like that. Um, I don't know. Other than that, uh, the Warriors for the Steph show and then maybe it becomes less interesting uh, after a trade or it becomes less interesting just because watching train wrecks isn't uh, actually that fun but the Houston Rockets with John Wall and Boogie Cousins and Christian Wood and James Harden at least maybe until James Harden is gone yeah yeah that's absolutely true um, I, I'm fascinated to see what Boogie's like too. I've got him on our little dynasty fantasy team league we've been going and I think he's going to be really good and he looks really good. doesn't look like future, or, you know, prime Boogie, obviously, but he's still got that kind of three point stroke that he had in golden state and he looks strong. And I think that's a big part of what matters. Although watching guys like him and like John wall, just going to be so bizarre knowing that, every hard fall they take and every weird landing just means so much more. And it's the worst part of basketball, but just so happens that two of the worst guys are on the same team. Uh, my, my league pass team is probably the Pelicans. I'm so excited to see Zion this year. I'm so excited to see Brandon Ingram who looks awesome during these preseason games. And I'm pretty excited to see the way they implement JJ Redick too. Obviously Van Gundy is a pretty interesting first time head coach to watch this year, but they've got a guy off the bench who is probably their only piece of spacing. I mean, Brandon Ingram, I think will take a little bit of a leap and be at least a guy who can spread the floor a little bit, but by far and not even close, your best shooter is sitting on your bench, getting paid a ton of money. And I'm really interested to see how they use him too. And Alonzo is one of my favorite players in the league. Steven Adams, former pick guy who really is an anchor defensively, but doesn't look quite the same offensively and doesn't have quite the same athleticism. I'm really interested to see how they fit him in. 
I think they're going to be such an interesting team to watch. And then the Grizzlies as well. I am really excited to see Ja and how he plays. And, and I'm excited to see Brandon Clark take on a bigger role. And hopefully, I really don't know what the injuries are with JJJ, but he has the potential to be one of the best defensive players in the league. And wow. Yeah, they're going to be really fun to watch. I will say I, uh, also, I, I wish the Magic were a little bit healthier. Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac would have been two of my most, you know, hopeful to watch guys coming into this season. And neither of them look like they're going to be playing for quite a while. So that's a little bit disappointing. And I kind of left them off of my list because of that. But, you know, the 2021-2022 Magic. <laughs> yeah, it's OKK for the Magic this year. Okiki. I'm, I'm uh, a false believer, too. So, yeah. Um, it's sort of interesting with the Pelicans. I, uh, you know, a lot of the teams, at least for me, that tend to be super appealing on league pass and players are these teams with high octane guards. They have guys who can break guys down off the dribble, at least high level creators, uh, because watching good offense is a lot more fun than watching bad offensive teams. Guys like Luca, Steph, uh, you know, those are your league pass guys, Trey Young, John Morant. The Pelicans guard situation is confusing as shit to me. And I quite frankly have no clue what minutes distribution between guys like uh, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo, JJ Redick, Josh Hart, yeah. uh, some of the others are going to be. Uh, do you have a prediction as to what a closing lineup for the Pelicans might look like? You, I get to assume Ingram, Zion, and then also uh, Steven, Steven Adams. Adams. Ingram, Zion, Steven Adams, probably Lonzo. And then that fourth spot will probably be rotating between those three guards that you mentioned, Bledsoe, JJ Redick, right. and Josh Hart. And I think Josh Hart could be really good. And I'm excited to see what kind of jumps he makes. Not really seeing, I mean, those Pelicans, it's hard to take much from what they were in the bubble. Just a complete mess. Everybody kind of coming in a little bit out of shape, it seemed like, and not really having any sort of chemistry. So, I think Josh Hart could be a guy that closes games for them, though I don't feel great about that. Probably would be better to have J.J. Redick on the floor, but obviously you're playing a team like the Clippers right. or the Lakers. You can't have a guy like J.J. Redick in your closing lineup. So, Right, that's the thing. That's why I had them in the ninth spot in the playing game on my rankings and not higher like you did. It's just that guard rotation doesn't inspire a ton of confidence in me. And when you talk about league pass, just having guards that can create off the dribble, uh, create for themselves at the very end of a of a possession and 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 run like competent offenses, run pick and roll. I think because of their shooting woes, uh, Lonzo and Bledsoe are both guys who like have had trouble running pick and roll. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what their half court offense looks like and how consistently they can pull together if Zion is just already that level playmaker. Because yeah. we know he's already that level elite finisher. For sure. But I also think, you know, Lonzo already is one of the better passers in the league. And that chemistry he has with Zion is already developing at such a high level. I do think that they could find ways around it, whether it be some sort of extreme motion offense that's just trying to generate open looks around the court or something that I can't even think of right now. I, I really have high hopes for that team. And mm -hmm. a lot of it is just... Zion hitting another level, which I'm so certain he's going to do at this point. I, it, it's a lot banking on that, but I think he is probably my bet to be 
outside of Luka Doncic and perhaps Ben Simmons, one of the few guys that really could be a top five player in the league five years from now. And I'm excited right. to see that development. I frankly think he could be a top 10 player this year and I would not be whatsoever surprised. So that's that's where I lie with the Pelicans. And also Brandon Ingram looks so good in these preseason games. I'm trying not to take too much from it, but like he's hitting open shots. Right. He's moving off ball really well. And I, I've been so high on Brandon Ingram for a long, long time. I think he is going to end up being a better player than Jason Tatum. And I think he's going to be a 15 to 20, top 15 to 20 guy in the league. And I'm I'm really excited to see him. I uh, I can't be with you there on Brandon Ingram being higher than Tatum. They both have their tendencies to fall into like, you know, poor shooting games. But I think Tatum's a much stronger defender and a little bit more consistent offensively. Yeah. Ingram tonight's two for 10 from the field. Although your guy Zion... <laughs> has uh, 30 points, uh, just 30 point, 28 points in 29 minutes. That's, uh, oh my gosh. He is, I agree that he is on a superstar level. It's just, what does his defensive rebounding look like? What does his defense look like? The defense Can is he, tough. Is, when he gets the ball or, and teams start doubling, is he going to be able to just put the ball in guys' shooting pockets, put them in, uh, get the ball to a dunker? Uh, is he going to be able to read the defense like that? Because if that if he can do that, then Lonzo and Bledsoe can easily sort of uh, slip into a half court offense as off ball players. If they're being asked to like dribble the ball and run pick and roll and isolate on final possessions of games, then all of a sudden, and and same with Brandon Ingram, I think to a little bit you're not going to ask him to do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Then it's a uh, is their offense becomes a little bit of a struggle. And it also <laughs> strikes me as an offense that's going to, as I, at least Brandon Ingram and Bledsoe, that it's, it's got a lot of theoretical jump shooters and not a lot of guys whose jump shots you fully, fully believe in. That's true. You know, shooting is the most important part of a modern NBA offense. I, I can't hate you for that. But at the same time, the most efficient shot in the game is still elite scoring at the rim. And Zion is doing that at a production, at a – level of field goal attempts and an efficiency that's still just so unbelievable and he makes shots yeah, oh. that just should not go in and you know It'll spacing will help that whenever that eventually happens and it'd almost be better you know have them like win another lottery let david griffin wear that tie again and uh have them pop another top spot to get uh, another great player but i, I see what you're saying I mean, there are going to be some serious limitations to that team yeah you got any other takes to send us home with any other takes to send us home with? Uh, <laughs> nothing huge for me. My my biggest uh, I want my biggest wish is for the Clippers to officially become uh, Raptors East or Raptors West and trade for Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline. Uh, I think Lowry, Ibaka, George, Leonard <laughs> is a lot of fun. That's my one wish. Yeah, don't hate it. All right. Well, this has been episode six of the High Post. I think a fantastic episode that will hopefully not age terribly, but uh, evidently <laughs> I'm sure it will in some way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely will. But we can just blame it on injuries. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, COVID season, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll be back, I'm sure, soon to talk about some actual basketball, which I That's don't ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe we're going to talk about how teams are actually looking in games soon. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it'll probably be sometime shortly after the Christmas games. And I can't fucking wait, man. I I can't wait.
it's gonna be great it's gonna be be after Uh, our head-to-head matchup in our fantasy dynasty league too so i feel good about my team (laughs) all right thanks so much (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say uh I was going to mention that I was going to buy League Pass and that to our few listeners, uh, I'd toss them the uh, link if they wanted on account of uh, fuck corporations, but kind of forgot. Yeah, that's fair. That would have been a, that might, that, might, that might be a good way to build a following, just offer out free League Pass links. <laughs> <laughs> I guess streams are so easy to stumble upon. But still. That's true. Yeah, I've got that. And I've also got, we're doing a poker tournament tomorrow and there's like 300 bucks in that. If I, if I win that too, I will, I'll, I'll just cop league pass. Why not? Nice. <laughs> I just really like wish they would make it better. If they like added some of the second spectrum stuff, I don't even care about blackouts. I just want a better interface. Yeah. The, the interface would be super cool. It's just expensive for me. The, and a lot, apparently a lot of times it just doesn't work. Really? Little load or something. That's pretty fucked. At least at the very beginning of the season. Yeah. 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 I feel bad. Like always doing illegal streams. It's gonna kill the league yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> KD with twenty-five tonight. Twenty-five? Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, the Nets are going to be good, man. I think the Nets are going to be... They're just so good offensively. Yeah, the defense is a worry, I, I think, though. <laughs> like, the other thing, which I we probably should have mentioned, is, like, <laughs> the coaching is insane. Just the fact that they're out there coaching, or just like the coaching in the West is no, the coaching in Brooklyn. Like they've just oh, yeah. Like, I, like, I, yeah, potentially three of the best coaches in the league. Like, all right, <laughs> briefly mentioned, but yeah, like Jock Vaughn doing the defense, D'Antoni doing the offense, Nash controlling the vibes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that it seems like it'll be. It seems like it'll make sense. It seems very. Like Warriors chill loose, you know, over there. I, I don't, I don't know. It, it could be they're not actually built in the same with the same personalities and can't mimic it the same way. But it feels, it feels good. I like the idea yeah. of what they're doing. Yeah, I think D'Antoni's going to be great too. Like he knows how to run offenses like that. Fuck. Yeah. You see yeah. Emmanuel quickly balling out for the Knicks these first few games? Nah, I haven't even heard of him. He had 22 points, five assists tonight. Shit. Rookie. Huh. Well, second rounder? Yeah, from uh, Kentucky. Huh. I'll check him out. Yeah, I might have to bounce in a second, but fuck. I'll go back and I've got to watch all the highlights from tonight. I've been keeping up pretty pretty closely, but I also yeah. – tomorrow and Sunday, I'm just going to try to grind on it, writing as many of those write-ups as I can. I'm so excited. Make a few more drafts. Yeah, I was doing, like, like a block of research. Like, it was like, one little, like, tidbit about the team, but then I got yeah. – <laughs> 
that's kind of what i was trying to do too yeah yeah the clean the glass stuff is pretty insane and then nba.com has gotten a lot nba.com is, is insane their interface isn't super like uh it's like looking up stats from last year and stuff is like it's, it's a pain yeah. you have to click <laughs> what, I've been doing for, what i've been doing for like graphs though is i just i got a little chrome extension i usually don't even use chrome but i go on to chrome anytime i need to pull stats and it's just like you click alt shift and click and it copies any table for you i just put it right into google drive and then <laughs> huh. it's pretty sick that's sick yeah I would definitely, yeah, that's super smart. Tableau is Basically wild. I've got a couple cool things I'm trying to whip up, but I'm not, I'm trying to spend more time on the writing stuff. I'm just going to like do it during football on Sunday and tomorrow during the day. Hmm. Yeah. Fuck. I also think I'm going to get a little projector in my backyard. We just put a hot tub in. I think uh, winter time, oh, that's, we'll probably get some games going. That's sweet. Yeah, I'm so excited for this season. I can't believe it's like days away. It doesn't make any sense, dude. I saw a stat that like in history, like the previous like quickest turnaround from the end of a season to the start of the next season for any of the major four professional sports was like 99 days and this is 71. Jesus Christ. Like just a month earlier than anyone's ever done it before. That's the argument against LeBron, I guess, but I don't know. Oh, fuck. I probably got to bounce. Um, I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. I'll throw this together and throw it up um, mm-hmm. probably tomorrow. But I'm down to uh, 